A rhinoceros boasts great ability. You think of the size of a rhinoceros, the second largest land animal in the world today. It can weigh up to three tons. It can reach up to six feet in height and 11 feet in length. While I cannot speak for you, yet personally I would not fancy a rhinoceros charging at me. But yet while a rhinoceros boasts great ability, it is greatly limited because of its sight. According to the National Geographic, rhinoceros, a rhinoceros is unable to discern the difference between a human and a tree at just three meters. It boasts great ability to make an impact, to have a force, but yet it is greatly limited because of its short-sightedness. And I wonder, could the same be said of us as God's people? That as a church, as a body of Christ, as those that have been called out of darkness into light, God's people, universal throughout this world, and country after country, and continent after continent, we have great potential to reach men with the gospel message. But yet, so often we can have a short-sightedness. So often we can just be so focused on that which is just immediately around us. We have our responsibilities. We have our duties, of course. We have our families. We have our work. But what about those that are far beyond that? Are we always just so concerned with what's in our immediate vicinity that we don't see the bigger picture? Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that I am still on this earth? Why is it that whenever God saved me, and called me from darkness into light, and brought me into Christ, and brought me into salvation, why did he not just take me straight to glory? Why is it that I am still here? What is it that I can do here, but I cannot do in heaven? You speak to some believers a day, and you ask them, what's your primary purpose for being here on this earth? And they would turn around and say, well, our primary purpose is to know God. And certainly it is true we are to know God, we're to study the Word of God, and we're to learn of Christ. But yet, surely if that was our primary purpose, would it not make more sense for God upon saving us just to take us straight to glory? Because then our knowledge of God would be absolutely perfect. We'd have no errors in our theology. We'd know God in perfection. Why leave us on this earth to learn just little bit by little bit? Some people would say that their primary purpose on this earth is to love God. And certainly that is true. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But surely it would not make more sense whenever God saved us that we are taken straight to glory because then we'll love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We'll love Him perfectly. Others may turn around and say, well, our purpose for still being on this earth is to grow in likeness to Christ, to be conformed in His image. And again, that is true. But surely would it not make more sense that if that was our primary purpose for being here on this earth, that upon God saving us, we'd be taken straight to glory because then we'd be glorified, seeing Christ for who He is and being like Him in perfection. 
I would put it to you this evening that our primary purpose is not either or any of these things. If you want to turn me, please, to Matthew chapter 5, just three references to highlight what I would put it to you this evening our primary purpose is. Matthew chapter 5 and the verse 16, having spoken of the gospel and the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 16, Jesus Christ speaks to His disciples, and He says, "'Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven.'" What is one thing you and I can do now that we cannot do in heaven? And it is, let our light shine. He who is the light of the world, as He is at work in our hearts, that we reveal Him to this world. Once we die and we go to glory, we cannot shine anymore on this earth to those that are lost. We cannot do that. If you want to also turn me, please, to 1 Peter and the chapter 2. 1 Peter and the chapter 2, in the verse 9, the apostle Peter says to the people of God, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Why have we obtained mercy? That we would show forth the praises, the beauties, the virtues, the excellencies of Jesus Christ, that those who have not yet received mercy would receive mercy. What was Christ's great commission to his church in Mark 16, verse 15? What were some of the last words that he spoke to his people? It was simply this, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I remember a number of years ago hearing a point being made regarding Coca-Cola as a company. While the company commenced in 1886, yet the company of Coca-Cola was sold to a group of investors in 1919, just 203 years ago. And shortly after being sold to that group of investors, the company of Coca-Cola went global. And today, just in 203 years, the brand of Coca-Cola is in almost every single country in the world. I'm told that it is known by 94% of the world. The brand is recognized. Just even seeing it, people know exactly what it is. And that includes the tiny little villages in Africa, in India, and China. The term Coca-Cola is deemed to be the second most understood word in the world next to the term okay. And yet this is done by simply just 86,000 employees. The church has many more times that number in its ranks throughout this world than 86,000 people. The church has a far greater message than Coca-Cola has. We have the message of salvation in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, eternal glory, and home with God. The church has a far greater motivation than money. Jesus Christ himself who loved us and gave himself for us. But yet there's so many people in the world today and they do not know of Christ. They do not know of salvation. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And why is that? 
I know there are differences between a business and the church. I get that. But yet, if a business can do something in just 203 years and be recognized by 94% people in the world, and yet how many people in this world do not know of Christ and the gospel and salvation in Him? And yet our numbers in the church rank many multiple times that of 86,000 employees. Is it that sometimes, and I speak to myself before I speak to anybody else, is it sometimes that we can be like a rhinoceros? As a church, we pose great potential and great ability, but yet we're limited because we're often just so short-sighted. Our primary purpose in life, I put it to you, is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The only reason that you and I are alive today, that we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs, and that we have not been taken to glory yet, is because God still has a work for you and I to do. We are alive today so that we can go into the world and preach the gospel, to shine forth Him who is the light of the world, to show forth the beauties and the excellence of, of Christ, that those who have not yet received mercy would receive mercy. Just for a few moments this evening, I want to look at the Great Commission. And I want you and I to see, first of all, tonight that the Great Commission, it requires action. In Mark 16, 15, Christ said unto His disciples and unto His church, Go ye. Go ye. The old phrase is true. You cannot spell gospel without go. Do you ever find that it's easy just to sit back and think, well, you know what? I'm saved. I'm all right. My sins are forgiven. I know God. And you know what? My main purpose on earth is done. I'm saved. I'm ready for glory. That's my main purpose completed. But yet our main purpose was not completed whenever we were saved. It was only just beginning. Being saved, we are to go. And I speak to you after I speak to myself. When was the last time we actually went? When was the last time we actually got up and went and made a point of telling somebody the gospel? I'd be tempted to ask you this evening, for a show of hands and for guesses, as to how many different terms, even in the New Testament alone, there is for preaching and teaching the gospel. How many Greek terms are used? There are 15. Yes, you have the formal terms such as being a herald, the like of a church in the Lord's day, that formal gathering, that formal heralding of the gospel. Yes, you have the slightly more informal terms used in the Greek, which refer to the likes of going out into the streets, the likes of the open air. But you have other terms. You have of casual conversation, Greek terms for that, such as how Peter and John simply went into the temple to pray, and they happened to meet upon a person, and they simply, in casual conversation, one-to-one, -one, just told that man the gospel. We have terms such as what Philip, as he went and he spoke with the Ethiopian eunuch, as he was just going about his daily business, he saw this man, and he went and he spoke unto him, Jesus. You have other terms in the Greek which refer to the idea of teaching. 
It's not just as you come across somebody, but you actually sit down, and it's not heralding, it's not preaching in the sense you'd have in the Lord's Day, but it's just simply teaching. You take the likes of a family setting, and there you would teach your children, teach boys and girls simply the message of the gospel. You have other Greek terms that refer to discussion, the likes of Bible studies. You have other Greek terms which refer to the likes of defense. Someone in your workplace, someone in your university, someone in your school, and they attack the gospel. Well, you stand up and you defend the truth of Christ. Such a variety of ways in which we are to speak forth Christ. But yet, you and I not often find it easy just just to sit back and not take the opportunities. We're not even to look for the opportunities. Dwight L. Moody is known for being a famous evangelist, speaking to crowds numbering into their thousands on many occasions. But D. L. Moody is also known for his personal evangelism. D. L. Moody was himself saved through a simple conversation one-to-one. And as a result, Dale Moody never lost the importance of speaking the gospel to lost souls on a one-to-one basis. It is said of Dale Moody that he would seek to tell at least one person the gospel every day. And if he happened, due to his many responsibilities and busyness, he happened to forget on any given day that if he remembered in his bed, he would even get out of his bed and go and find somebody to tell them the gospel. I remember our brother Noel Stevenson, whether it was here in the Martyrs, and I listened to him at the likes of a youth rally or indeed some other occasion, but I remember our brother Noel Stevenson encouraging young people to pray a very simple prayer, and I've never forgotten it. Lord, lead me to some soul today, and dear Lord, teach me what to say. I'm ashamed to say this evening that I have not prayed that prayer ever since every day. I have prayed it on quite a few occasions, and I can't think of a time where I prayed that prayer and the Lord did not give some opportunity that day. And so I would say that if you're going to pray that prayer, that the Lord hears it, but be ready for a challenge, because the Lord does hear it. Our primary purpose for even being alive this very day is that we may show forth the praises, the excellences, and the beauties of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It is my prayer this evening, whenever I wake up in the morning, that I would hear these words of Christ in my ears before anything else. Go ye. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That is my primary purpose for existing today. I have my family. I have my friends. I have my work. And you do too. But in all of these things, we're to use them as means through which we preach the message of Christ. God's command requires action. That's the first thing. Notice with me, secondly, tonight, that God's command requires care and concern. If you look with me, please, at verse 15 of Mark 16, Christ said unto them, his disciples, his church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look at those terms and phrases, all the world and every creature. God wants 
everyone to hear the gospel. God does not just want some people to hear the gospel. God does not just want your family to hear the gospel or my family. God does not just want your close friends or my close friends to hear the gospel. Not just your close work colleagues. Not just the neighbors that are right beside you, to the left and to the right, and maybe one or two beyond that. God wants every single person on this earth to hear the gospel. God wants every person here in Belfast, every person in Northern Ireland, every person in the United Kingdom, every person in the Republic of Ireland, every person in Europe, every person in the world, every single person in India, every single person in China, every single person in Sri Lanka, every single person on all continents. He wants every creature to hear the gospel. And the challenge comes to me tonight, and the challenge comes to every one of us. Do we care about that? There is the old expression, out of sight, out of mind. And so often in my own life, I'm like the rhinoceros. I, I only just see a few meters in front of me. In my prayers, I only pray for just those who are in front of me. And that's important, don't get me wrong. That's where God's place is, and that's where primary work's going to be. But, but we are to see beyond that. God wants every creature, every person, hear the gospel. Do you and I, by our prayers and by our heart, care for every person to hear the gospel? Or are we just so focused on those within a few meters of us? Notice in me a third thing tonight. God's command that only requires action, go. Actively go. Make the effort to go. It not only requires care, every creature, but it requires cooperation. God's command requires cooperation. You see, Christ said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I don't like this evening that some of you have been asking the question, Well, hold on a minute, preacher. That is an overwhelming commission. How can I preach the gospel to every creature? How can any person ever possibly fulfill that? How could any person ever possibly tell the gospel to every person in Northern Ireland? Not to mention the United Kingdom, not to mention Europe, not to mention the world. According to the calculations of the United Nations, there are 7.98 billion people in the world as of October 2022. By 2050, this will be 9.8 billion of all things remain the same in terms of growth. But you just think of Northern Ireland for the moment. According to last year's census, there was 1.9 people in this Northern Ireland, in our Northern Ireland. If you and I were to try to speak to every one of those 1.9 billion people over a course of 70 years, that would necessitate you and I speaking to 79 people every day. If you and I were simply just to set aside 10 minutes to speak to every one of those 79 people, that would equate to 13 hours of conversation every single day. You and I cannot do that. We have our work to do. We have our families. We have other things. We just cannot do that. We cannot fulfill this commission ourselves in our own country and province, not to mention the world. So that is why I emphasize that God's commission requires cooperation. If we cannot reach the world personally, well, it is 
pray for God's people collectively as a whole, that collectively we will reach the world collectively. See, you and I can be used of God even far beyond what you and I can do ourselves in terms of our own practical meeting of people. You and I can pray, that's one thing. You and I can pray, of course, for those in this congregation. You and I can pray for those that are believers. The Lord will give them opportunities, the Lord will give them wisdom and help to speak of Christ to people that we had never met. You and I can pray for those as denomination throughout this world. You know, I can pray for those in God's service, ministers and missionaries, that as they set aside time to go and to tell people the gospel, the Lord will give them opportunities and, and give them wisdom and give them effectiveness as they tell, because they will have opportunities that we will never have. We can pray and be used of God in that way for the furtherance and indeed for the fulfillment, bit by bit, of the Great Commission. And of course, we can pray for let the Bible speak. An organization that by the grace of God is in not merely Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, not merely in England and the west of Scotland, but it's in America and Canada and New Zealand and Liberia and Kenya and East and West Africa, the Caribbean and the Far East. Literally millions of people are within reach of the gospel through these broadcasts. And you and I can pray, Lord, give help to those who lead the work of let the Bible speak. Lord, give help to those who bring the messages on the radio and on the TV. Lord, bless the effectiveness of the message. You and I can pray. You and I can encourage. Encourage those who serve the Lord. Encourage other believers as they witness. Encourage the local minister. Encourage missionaries. Encourage them as they seek to serve the Lord and reveal the, the Savior to men and women. And you and I can support as well as pray and encourage. We can use the money that God gives us to support the local church as it seeks to reach out into its area. We can support organizations that take the gospel into this world. Whenever it comes to let the Bible speak, it costs over £100,000 every year just to proclaim the gospel over the radio waves and over the TV. Just as it costs money for a tract, it costs money to proclaim the gospel to these millions of people. And the LTBS doesn't ask for support in any of its broadcasts. It looks for support from our own denomination. Let me just finish tonight by saying that God's command requires focus. We're told, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? If you want to turn me, please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Just turn over a page or two. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And here we have an angel coming before shepherds, as the shepherds are abiding in a field, watching over their flock by night. And in verse 10, we read, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. Luke 2, verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings. The gospel simply means a good message. I bring you good tidings, a good message of great joy which shall be to you all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What is the gospel? It's Christ. It's a person. The apostle Paul said, we preach Christ and Him crucified. If you were to look up the term sinner in the Greek, it comes from two words, the word know and the word part. See, what is a sinner? A sinner is one who is lacking a part. He's missing a part. That's what the word literally means. 
The context is shown for us in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is it that we're missing? We're missing the glory of God. We're missing seeing the glory of God. And not seeing the glory of God, we therefore do not reveal the glory of God. We don't live for His glory. We don't live for His beauty. That's what a sinner is. That's what a lost sinner is. So therefore, what's the answer? What's the answer to a sinner? What's the remedy? Well, it is to show them God. And who reveals God? Who reveals the fullness of the Godhead bodily? It's Christ. So what's the remedy to a sinner who's missing seeing the sight of the glory of God? It's to preach to them God. It's to preach to them Christ. And all that He is and all that He's done, that they can be changed. And as they see by the Spirit of God working in their hearts, as they see Christ in His beauty, and their eyes are opened by the Spirit of God, and as they are given new hearts to love Christ, well then day by day they will grow to reveal Him in this world. But bit by bit, they'll be coming less short and living for the glory of God. And all that we support, may it be those organizations that present Christ, is the only remedy for sinners. A rhinoceros is an animal which boasts great ability, but yet it's limited because of its short-sightedness. You and I are alive today, and the church as a whole is alive today simply, that we may show forth the praises, the beauties, the excellencies of Christ that those who have not obtained mercy will obtain mercy. Is it your prayer, Lord, help me to fulfill the Great Commission, to play my part, 